Okay, ladies, we'll go ahead and get started. Um, I'm so glad to finally be back with you. It's such a joy to be here. I was getting stir crazy at home. <laughs> so it's good to be um, out of the house and good to um, be back at Bible study. I'm excited to hear uh, what you have learned and um, tell you a little bit about what I've been learning as I've been studying, even though I haven't been here. Um, but we're going to kind of go work backwards tonight. We're going to start with Psalm 24, and then we're going to do a little bit of a review of a high-level review um, of the last several weeks, and then we'll end um, kind of with some reflection and wrap-up time um, to end our study. Four weeks has gone by really fast, and um, but it's been a, a sweet time, and I know I haven't been here, but I've been able to hear you on the recordings as Deb was teaching. So um, it's been encouraging to hear what God is teaching you. And um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to hearing more tonight. Let's start with a word of prayer and we'll dive in. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing uh, us all here safely this evening and um, in good health. And just thank you, God, that um, your plans are sovereign and your word is living and active, and even though we make plans and then they don't um, necessarily go how we thought they would, that you are in control of all of the details and you know exactly what we need and you've given us exactly what we need, um, and we lack no good thing in your care, and we just thank you for that, God, and um, I pray that you would um, help us to encourage each other tonight as we look into your word and wrap up our study on Psalm 23. Um, pray that we would leave here um, just reminded of your faithfulness and your gentle care for us that as we um, walk out the doors and go to what's next or um, what's next tomorrow, that what we've learned will sit in our hearts and that we can recall it to mind um, exactly when we need to remember the truths that you've um, placed in our hearts. We thank you and we praise you again, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to start by reading... Psalm 24. Dig in. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessings from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Selah. Before we um, kind of get into a, a teaching time and kind of draw some things out, I want to hear from you guys. Did you read Psalm 24 this week? What stood out to you? What encouraged you? Maybe you had it noticed before or maybe you had and it, you were reminded
Absolutely. I love that you mentioned um, creation and the God that created. That's one of the first things I thought of when I was just even one of the first times reading through Psalm 24 in verse um, verses 1 and 2. I immediately thought of creation. It brought me back to kind of even the rhythm that the creation account is written in. And that's the, the first thing I thought of was creation and God forming the earth and filling it and um, to think of that in this context, like you said, it's that that God that created the whole world but cares for cares for you, cares for me. Encouraging. What else? Sure. Yeah. 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 We will talk about that just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's everywhere. As if it's a normal thing to say. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When I was reading verse 3, I want to ask the question, um, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his place? And then, uh, like you said, it goes on to kind of answer that question. Um, one of the first things I thought of was the priest in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. <coughs> and that was a, I mean, it was a big deal. The priest had to go through a whole cleansing ritual and it was, you know, it was a sacred place. It wasn't just a oh, I'm going to go into the Holy of Holies. He didn't just do that lightly, but there was a whole um, 
cleansing process that had to happen first because it was entering into the presence of God. Um, and lest we do that flippantly, um, that's what made me think of just the the clean hands and who can go, who can, what does it say specifically, who can, I keep flipping my pages around. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and stand in his holy place? I don't want to cut anybody short. Is there anything else? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I loved, um, I don't know if any of you were in the youth service Sunday night, but... <coughs> And I don't remember which of the Pearson girls it was, but um, when sharing her testimony, it talked about how she would be worried that she was not saying the right words and not praying the right words when, um, yeah, Ashlyn, um, when she was praying. And then she f- came to a realization that if it was up to the words that she was praying, she didn't stand a chance. It's a similar idea here. It's not the power in our um, words or our confession, but the righteousness of God. It's like we're back to First John. Um, the righteousness of Christ on our behalf. It's encouraging. It was, I just loved how she put it. Kyle and I were watching at home and we were like, that's it right there. It's the simply put in a very powerful way. It's awesome. I would say Psalm 24 as well before this study, I hadn't really paid much attention to it because like you said, you read Psalm 23 and you memorize it and then you move on without um, always paying attention to Psalm 24. But we'll spend a little bit of time going through and um, continuing our conversation before we kind of review the rest of it. But um, to put it in a little bit of context, um, some of the commentators that I was reading say this connects to Psalm 23 by describing the return of the king to the house of the Lord. So Psalm 23 talks about Um, surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And Psalm 24 um, describes the return of the king to the house of the Lord and his being received by his people. Um, The Psalm 24 reflects on a time to come when the shepherd appears to claim David's throne finally, eternally, once for all. Um, The world that we live in obviously is fallen. We live in a world broken by sin, um, and we can see the effects of that all around us. We don't. We could list them forever if we were to start. Um, but it is still God's. It's God's by creation, like we already saw in um, Psalm 24, and by redemption. Um, but we still feel the effects of sin um, in our lives, in our struggles, in the lives of the people that we love. But there's coming a day, and that's kind of what this psalm has us looking forward to. There's coming a day when that bondage will be broken forever for um, Christ defeats Satan once and for all, crushes the head of the serpent, and um, the earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. The, kind of like you said, it sounds, the psalm sounds like it should be a song. Um, There is a, some opinions out there. There's always differing opinions, right? It's it's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. Um, But I think it does lend itself to um, 
be this way, it's been said that Psalm 24 is written kind of as a liturgy, so as a responsive reading, you might say. And I know um, we don't do that a ton. We do it sometimes here at Sailorville, but um, I want to I have these little pieces of paper on your tables. If you want to grab them out and kind of pass them around to each other. We're going to read the... Um, it's not quite the whole chapter, but read it in a responsive way. So I'm going to have, I need one volunteer. One more volunteer. Can I have one volunteer? Okay, Diane, you're going to be the second voice. Okay, so everybody besides Diane and I will be the choir. I'll be voice. <laughs> Diane can be second voice. And then there's a spot um, at the end where we'll all talk together. So starting with the choir, we'll start just at the beginning. Ready, go. <laughs> who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? We, that's the um, several verses there. And then this next part, if you'll imagine um, as you're entering the gates of the city, they, that this could have been written um, and partially reflecting a time when the Ark of the Covenant was being brought back to Jerusalem after being in captivity. So this victorious celebratory moment. So with that in mind, as you're picturing the Ark of the Covenant being brought back into the city, we'll jump down to that um, Last choir, you can go ahead and start there. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. And I, I loved Obviously, it didn't have the same effect when I was reading it by myself that way, but I loved reading it in that context and with that picture in mind because um, I think it captures uh, the glory and the splendor of our, of our king. And after reading of his gentle, constant care in Psalm 23, it just brings that much more heart behind it. Super encouraging. Um, <coughs> excuse me the uh, kind of start going verse by verse through Psalm 24 with some of these things in mind and the Ark of the Covenant being brought back to Jerusalem, looking forward to a day when Christ will reign um, on earth forever and Satan is um, defeated once and for all. Verses one and two of Psalm 24 talk about uh, the extent of God's domain. God forms, he forms creation. He filled the earth with his creation. Um, and that's what's expressed in verses one and two in grand in cosmic terms. It says the full, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, <coughs> the world and those who dwell therein. He's founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. God owns everything because he made everything. Um, and then verse three 
<clears throat> asks that question that we talked about a little bit about already. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? And then verse 4 answers that question with some pretty high standards for that person. Uh, he has <clears throat> clean hands, which is to say it's um, the one that can stand before God is has a clean and faultless life. I don't know about you, but try as hard as I might, my life is not faultless. Uh, the second characteristic is he has a pure heart. It's a symbol of a right attitude. The third thing it, um, characteristic it lists is it must not have lifted his soul to vanity. He doesn't have an appetite for foolishness. And the fourth thing must not swear deceitfully, but be a man who keeps his word, pays his bills, responsible is the idea there. We've kind of already said there's four things seem pretty impossible, and we know that we can't keep them. We know that King David, our, our author, though a man after God's own heart was not perfect, and he was a liar, and he murdered, and he committed adultery. Um, it wasn't David. It wasn't Solomon. It wasn't King Hezekiah. It was none of these kings that we have seen on earth. The only one, <coughs> like we um, read about in verse 5, the only one that can perfectly fulfill all four of those standards is Christ himself. And it's only through his righteousness um, given to, to us, to the one who would stand before God, that we can um, stand before him. The, <coughs> excuse me, Verse uh, five, he will receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. That's, again, Jesus there. And I love verse six, kind of reminded me actually of in Psalm 22, but verse six takes it from not just that, that one singular pronoun man um, from verse four and five, but it takes it from one man to a generation. That's the generation of those who seek your face, O Lord the God of Jacob. And it reminded me of Psalm 22 when, um, and I know Deb touched on this actually um, the second week of our study, when we saw the, after we see the resurrection in Psalm 22, how it's it, Christ among his brethren and Christ among Israel and then the nations and it just kind of kept getting bigger. That's what it made me think of when I'm reading in Psalm 24. It starts with, the one man standing before God and becoming that generation. I, it made me think of that growth of the church and um, God's grace in uh, extending that through Christ to to us and to a generation um, and so on and so forth. I guess you could say as it continues from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. Um, and in verse... Verses 7 through 10, we come upon the gates and the doors. Uh, now I kind of want to <laughs> track them all through the Psalms, like Diane said. But um, the gates and the doors are, uh, again, kind of creating that imagery of the king entering into Jerusalem. You think of a, a city. I grew up in Portugal. It's a story for another time. But Lots of rich, rich history and historical sites and walled cities. Um, and that's what you see. There's a wall around the city and there's these huge 
doors and there's usually gates outside the doors and then the doors into the city and um, they're huge. You feel tiny standing in front of them. And that's what I picture here, um, kind of setting that path of the king um, entering in his glory. It's, it reads kind of like a triumphal, triumphant march. You know, I think of a, like a parade or something that's um, celebratory. Um, and when you think about the ark being brought back into Jerusalem after years and years of um, captivity, both physically speaking and spiritually speaking, if you think back on Israel's history, um, what uh, great things there is to celebrate in kind of that restoration. The, um, the parallel there is that it's also foreshadowing not just Israel, in, not just talking about in Israel's history, but thinking toward the Messiah. And I think again of the Palm, Palm Sunday entrance into the city, Jesus coming into Jerusalem there and people... Um, shouting Hosanna and praising him and just that built up anticipation that they're finally seeing come true. And again, not just that, but like we've already said, one for eternity, Christ will come and reign forever um, on the earth. The <clears throat> one of the ch- one of the most challenging parts in this study for me has been constantly coming back to how Psalm 22, 23, and 24 all fit together. And I see it was, it was this constant, uh, not mind game, but this constant battle in my mind of, I see it, but how do I explain it? And how does it, you know, is, how do these all fit together? But um, in kind of my quest to understand that better, there, I came on upon a Warren Wearsby article that Deb actually shared with me, and I'm not going to read the whole article for you, but just kind of give you his perspective on how they fit together, and he talks about how Psalm 22, he calls it, that's the psalm about the good shepherd. It's establishing um, Christ's crucifixion. We we did that whole parallel with the New Testament, Psalm 22 setting um, Christ's crucifixion, resurrection, um, and his even we even see his glory there, and we saw how through his suffering Christ was qualified to be our shepherd. He's qualified to lead us through this life, like we saw him see him do in Psalm 23. We see him as the great shepherd in Psalm 23, that great shepherd caring for us, leading us in um, I don't know about you, but ways that I never understood before studying so intently Psalm 23 um, for this study. And then, so you got the good shepherd in Psalm 22, the great shepherd in Psalm 23, and then Wiersbe would say the chief shepherd in Psalm 24. So kind of um, that idea of the final ruler and that chief sitting on his throne once and for all um, over the world. And looking forward to that day in the final victory, I'm going to read just one paragraph that he kind of uses to tie all these together. If Christ is your good shepherd because you've received him as Savior, and we saw how he is qualified to be our Savior in Psalm 22, 
then let him be your great shepherd to guide and bless your life. Then when he returns as the chief shepherd, you will be ready to meet him. And I don't know if that helps you guys at all, but I thought it was a a succinct picture of kind of pulling the three of them together and bringing even greater understanding um, to Psalm 23 specifically. I know it's kind of, for a four-week study in one book, we spent two weeks kind of in other other chapters, but um, I loved that picture of how they all fit together. Any um, thoughts or questions on either how they all three fit together or Psalm 24 before we kind of review some of the past weeks? What did you think of the responsive reading? Was it, did it bring it kind of new life to it a little bit? See some of the imagery a little bit more. Mm hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the same thing about the end of Psalm 23 because I, and I know Deb talked last week about how there's kind of those two interpretations and both have merit and both are, you know, you can kind of glean some beautiful truth from either interpretation. And as I, I was finishing Psalm 23, I was pretty convinced, like, I, I, was on the shepherd track. And then as I started studying Psalm 24, I was like, well, now I really can see the, the banquet host track and um, kind of seeing it all come together. That's what happens when we read it in the context too. It comes together in a different way. I was sad that I couldn't be with you the last couple weeks, um, but I'm excited and I kind of want to spend just a little bit of time um, by way of review, kind of as we wrap up and um, just to kind of share some of the some of the highlights for me that some of the things that I've learned as we've <coughs> studied. So I'm just going to kind of take it and refresh our memories a little bit. Um, our first week, we looked at Psalm 22 and we again, we looked at those parallels from Psalm 22 and Matthew 27 in the New Testament. And we saw some of the same words. We saw (coughs) Psalm 22, one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Obviously we know those are Jesus's words on the cross. And from there, we just kept seeing those parallels. um, The mocker, the people mocking Jesus, um, stripping him of his clothes, calling for, um, saying, you know, if this is, if this is the son of God, rescue him, you know, call on the angels to rescue you. Um, we see Jesus crucified. We see people casting lots for his clothes. Um, and we saw, you know, we tell of Psalm 22, 22, tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. And then, like we said, it kind of went out from there, like Jesus, um, 
among the disciples and among the church. And then as that continued to grow and go outward. And then um, I didn't touch on this the first week, but um, Deb kind of brought it back around the second week, that last verse of Psalm 22, that he has done it and how that parallels to Jesus's words. It is finished. Um, And just, yeah, that's exciting and uh, just brings it full circle even again um, to that idea of that righteousness and that victory over sin. It's finished. It's all, it's all Christ's doing. Um, in Psalm 22, we saw Christ as the lamb, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We saw him resurrected. Um, it is finished. He has done it. The lamb who suffered and died was resurrected. He sees and he, he hears us. He's worthy to be our shepherd. And on week two, we looked at Psalm 23, verses one through three, kind of going phrase by phrase. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is to say, I have everything I need. What more could I want? That speaks of our dependence and contentment. That was one of the, the biggest um, challenges for me to kind of evaluate in my own life as studying. And I think it probably will be for the rest of my life is that idea of contentment. Um, Pastor Pat has referenced that poem in church several times. It's, you're always wanting that next phase. You know, when I was a child, I wanted to be an adult. I don't remember all of the, um, yes, exactly. Yes. There's always something more that we want and, um, never has that been more clear than reading Psalm 23 and just that idea of a sheep constantly like, um, running off. You know, the shepherd, we looked at uh, in verses one through three and four through six, all of the care and the work that the shepherd puts into taking care of his sheep. He's preparing pastures and seeking out water sources and going to all this hard work. And all it takes is one stupid little sheep that's right here. And maybe there's, here's the fence. And then that sheep's like, well, but look at over there. Like the grass really is greener over there. Um, but that's how I am so many times. And I, I am convinced for the rest of my life it will be something that I um, constantly battle, but to rest content um, in the Lord and what he's provided and knowing that he has gone before and he has chosen absolutely what is best, um, not just, and not just in what he has provided, but in how he has provided. Um, but I don't, I don't always see it that way but in challenging and encouraging to know (coughs) and see uh, just how much he cares and leads in those perfect ways. Um, He makes us lie down. Deb talked about the the four things that sheep need to lie down, and I never would have guessed it was, you know, I just like to lay down and go to sleep, but um, to really truly rest. um, God does a lot to get us to rest. I've been sick for the last couple weeks and sometimes sadly that's what it takes to to get us to rest is to kind of shuffle those um those priorities he leads us beside still waters pure and refreshing um even when we want to drink from that water source that's closer filled with parasites you know that, that quick quick uh instant gratification is what i think of when i think of that instant gratification but um when we choose what is that instantly gratifying thing instead of what the shepherd has provided, so often we end up sick 
or distracted, as the case may be. Um, back to verses one through three, he restores my soul. We talked about the, the cast sheep, how the sheep ends up on its back with its legs in the air and can die pretty quickly without the shepherd putting it back upright. Um, and I loved hearing, I, I think was this week that Deb asked the question, you know, what, what is, how does the Lord restore you? And the th- came up several times through his word, through his word and Psalm 19, 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. God revives us through his word. He cares for our souls in that way. He leads me in paths of righteousness. I loved studying um, kind of all the different other references of sheep and shepherd throughout scripture as I was studying Psalm 23. And uh, the first one that comes to mind every time is Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have, each of us has turned to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This verse, all, all the kids memorize and shine every year. And there's a song. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I, Lisa's giggle makes me think she knows. Yeah, so they go, ba, ba, do, ba, ba. And one of my favorite shine memories is the week that they were reciting this verse. I was trying to help this um, kindergarten girl remember, because I knew she knew the song. And so I was like, all we like sheep, kind of saying it in cadence with the song. And she said it, and then at the end she goes, ba, ba, do, ba, ba. <laughs> in the middle of it. It's very cute and adorable. But um, we do, we go our own ways, and we, we stray off, and we, we wander. Um, but the Lord leads us in the paths of righteousness. <clears throat> Crooked as they may seem sometimes, it's not always the, the wide the wide path. I always I thought of the Pilgrim's Progress a lot as we studied Psalm 23 as well. But sometimes it's the path that we we wouldn't have necessarily pictured. Um, but it's the path of righteousness. Um, for His name's sake, I wanted to share a quote about um, this that phrase. For His name's sake, there's a Psalm 23 a study. I'll show it to you at the end um, by Jen Rothschild, and she said this. When the psalmist and prophets appealed to God to act for his name's sake, they were pleading for God to act according to his character, not according to what they deserved. God forgives us for his name's sake. He delays wrath for his name's sake. He leads us for his name's sake. God explained it through Ezekiel when he said, It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name. Here's the thing, sister, she says. We all tend to live our, stor- our life stories as if we are the main characters of our lives. But we are not. God is. He forgives us because he loves us, yes. He restores us because he values us, yes. But ultimately, it is not about us. What God does, he does for his name's sake. His actions are for his praise. The beautiful benefit is, though, is that what brings him glory brings us good. I just, it's encouraging to rest in that. He, it's all for his name's sake, but when it's for his name's sake, it's also for our good. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Mm. Mm, that's awesome. That's awesome. Humbling. Very humbling. Um, 
verse or week three, we talked about verses four through six in Psalm 23. Um, verse four, we talked about the valleys. And I love how Deb pointed out the, <coughs> the valley isn't death itself. In this life, as we live, like we said, in a broken world, we're living in the shadow of death. That's where we live in a, <coughs> a fallen world and our lives are um, leading ultimately to death physically. Um, praise the Lord, it's not spiritually because of Christ. We know that there is more, but um, in our fallen state, that's what we're living in, that shadow of death. Um, and she talked about how in verse 4, in contrast to verses 1 through 3, the pronouns change from describing the shepherd to kind of that more intimate person-to-person conversation. I loved that. Um, and she talked about the valleys, how they're fertile places between grazing lands, following the ravines and the water systems. Again, just pointing again to that care of our shepherd. Um, I will fear no evil, not because there's not reason to fear, not that there's not things that come up that have the potential to frighten, but we will fear no evil because we don't need to be afraid because the Lord um, is our shepherd and he's guiding us. Talked about the rod and the staff um, and those two instruments, the rod being used to count the sheep, protect the sheep against, um, against predators and even against, even from, protect us from ourselves sometimes. Um, and that whole idea of pulling the wool over our eyes and just using that um, rod to prod and examine the sheep. And the staff, um, you mentioned this earlier, Lynn, that hooked staff he uses to bring us close, uses to bring a, a newborn sheep close to its mother, he uses the staff to guide and to rescue. Um, and then that brings us to, to Psalm, my pages are out of order. Psalm 24, she talked about the, the different interpretations at the end of Psalm 23 and how regardless of which one it is, it again just points to the care and the, the concern of, of God for us. Um, how about you guys? What are some of the, the things that stuck out to you from the, the verses or the phrases in Psalm 23? Maybe one that you saw in a new light or one that was particularly challenging or encouraging.
the Christian standard uses the word only. <laughs> you can directly change out being a follower and virtue. Yeah, I guess. It's kind of amazing. But it was recent. I think that's the word there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It makes me think of um, the verse that says, The kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance that similar idea it's that that pursuit and that kindness of god toward us that brings us back to repentance that similar thought what else mm mhm Yeah. I love that it talks about the anointing and um, I know Deb referenced that um, the book written by a shepherd and um, (coughs) he goes over that idea of anointing the sheep's head for protection and all of that and I love kind of like we saw the lamb become the shepherd the anointed one anointing and protecting his sheep is that was huge to me as I was studying I don't know it's just that again that whole picture of he is so great and so worthy but even in his worthiness he loves and he cares for his namesake but we benefit from from that and it's for our good you off but I do um, we'll kind of have a little bit more chance so if you think of something else too that you um, want to add in a little bit you feel free there's another little stack of papers there that there should be one for everybody at your tables um, and it has two questions <coughs> on it I keep flipping my pages in and out of order there we go um, there's two questions and th- we started off the our four-week study talking about how we were approaching the word of God as a book about God, because it is. Just like that quote I read from um, Jen Rothschild, it's about God. He is the center of the story, not us. And so I wanted t- us to take some time for personal reflection, and then we'll kind of come back together. But there's two questions here. The first is, 
reviewing your time spent studying Psalm 22 through 24, write down what you've learned about God. Um, so whether that's even just direct from the passage, he is my shepherd, however you, um, whatever you've learned about God during this time. And then the second question, in light of what you've learned about God, what does it teach you about yourself? Um, I'm going to play some music and just kind of give us some, some time to, um, to jot some thoughts down. I, I don't want to, I don't want to leave our study without kind of bringing it full circle and saying, okay, if this text is about God and he has graciously given us his word to restore our souls, um, what does it teach us about him? I'm just going to kind of ghetto play some music from my phone without a speaker, so. <laughs> What did you learn about God? Or what, maybe it was something you were reminded of. Maybe it wasn't something you learned for the first time, but <clears throat> what does Psalm 23 tell us about who God is? Sovereignty. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yes. I love that. I love that. That's one of the things that struck me the most as study as I studied this. Every time I heard something that reminded me of another part of scripture, I marked it down and I was like, it's everywhere everywhere all over from from genesis to revelation it's a survey of the the whole of scripture but like you said it's the sovereignty of god it, it wasn't a plan b it was his it was his plan from the beginning nothing took him by surprise hmm, hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. the imagery of the shepherd <coughs> put before my eyes in a new way, the idea of Christ going before, not only experiencing suffering, but how he goes before us, preparing us. He knows what's around that next corner. He knows what is in that stream and he goes before and truly leads us in those ways. It's encouraging to me. I tend to like control 
So uh, just that idea of I could do all my studying and pick the perfect path that I thought, but God's gone before. He has that. He's been there and prepared the way. Exactly what we need. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> what did you learn about yourself in light of who God is? What'd you say? That I'm a dumb sheep. I'm a dumb sheep. <laughs> yes. think before studying Psalm 23 um, this time, I would have said I understood that it was about God's provision, but I don't think I would have said or admitted um, just how much it's about my dependence. So the flip side of God's provision is that I am dependent, right? So it's, um, yeah, in stark contrast to today's message of you don't need nobody, you got it, you know? Um, that whole idea of strong, independent women in particular. Um, it's, it's not it at all, <laughs> at all, at all. But we are dependent 100% on our shepherd. And that's a good thing. That, that's the, it's not a, oh, you know, not, oh, you need somebody to hold your hand, but it's, it all starts with him. I think all three of us can remind us of it's about who God is, his character, and his attributes and all of that. It's about who he is, not what we do. Mm. And mm. so that kind of brings my thoughts back around when I'm struggling to be still. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it mm. reminds me to remember, to keep going back to remind myself 
Mm-hmm. 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 Only goodness pursues me. Yeah. 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 I want <coughs> to close our time here um, just by reading for you Psalm 23 again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a good, good shepherd we have. I'm going to pray for us, and then we do have a, a book to give away. We're going to give away a copy of that book that um, both Deb and I referenced so that somebody can kind of gain some further insight. But let's close in a word of prayer. Good, great chief shepherd, God, we love you. Um, I'm astounded in your word every time I open it how intentional you are, how sovereign you are, and how your word from front to back um, tells the story of the gospel. And um, God, what a delight to find here in the middle of the Psalms this picture of Christ. Um, Christ, the lamb that was slain for us and who died and rose again and um, leads us through this life as one who has gone before and prepared the path before us, who's walked it and prepared it for us, God. And um, we thank you that in your kindness and your mercy, your glory is for our good, um, that you gently nudge us um, in the way that we should go and God, that gives us confidence to know that even when that nudging is painful, it's for our good um, and for your glory. And God, I just thank you for um, these women who have committed to studying your word. And God, I pray that um, their study of your word would not end here, um, but that they'd continue to learn and grow through careful study of your word. And um, God, we praise you and we love you. um, And we are blessed to be called your sheep, dependent on you for our every need. Um, Help us not to lose sight of that. In Jesus' name, amen.